And now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Networks, it's In the Green Room. Green is in, but what does that really mean for you? Join the gang for a fun and energetic half-glass, half-full perspective to what and how sustainability is the lifestyle for the future. It can really affect everything you do, from your health, wallet, environment, money, even your morals. So our goal, to help save the planet one show at a time. Now, welcome to The Green Room. Welcome, everyone. You're in Scottsdale, Arizona, and this is In the Green Room, and I'm Kinga. And I'm Quita, and we're so glad you guys are joining us tonight. Hey, you know the motto, saving Saving the the planet planet, one one show at a time. And we... (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's it's all that time. How was your week? Well, I want to say my week was actually pretty good. It, it's it's just Tuesday. That's all I can say. That's <laughs> well, all I can say. Okay, so I so Jam, uh, one of our uh, mu- musicians that supports our show, we love him. He's so famous, and his music is out of extraordinary. Um, okay. <laughs> Chet came over. So one thing I was saying, guys, we are so excited because when we say we're saving the planet one show at a time, this is definitely a show that we expect that to happen. We expect you to learn a whole lot because we've got some amazing guests. I know Kinga wants to talk about the week first or the weekend, (laughs) but I want to tease you guys that we have so much coming up. We, of course, have our musical guests in the house, Miss Rebecca, all about healing, and her voice is angelic. You guys will be very happy about that. We also have a special guest in the house, Kinga bought the family and guys, we've got Miss Rachel Johns, who's Kinga's baby. I guess you're the oldest, right? Yeah, I'm the oldest. Miss U of A track star. And guys, she isn't just here because she's a track star. She's here because she practices what we are preaching. And then we also have Mr. John Beckyu in the house, and he is practicing a whole company. Beckyu, John Beckyu. Beckyu, yes. Mr. Yes. John Beckyu in the house, and he's talking global change so guys it's a really interesting show so get your phones ready if you're not watching us live on facebook right now that page is in the green room dot green get on there watch live share and get your questions ready right and, and why it's so exciting is everything that john becky is doing is what rachel's been learning at the university of arizona so we can have this nice conversation banter going back and Make it kind of a little bit of a debate and have Ooh, a discussion. Kinga said debate. You guys Ooh. know that's a scary word for Kinga. <laughs> well, I know, I know everybody. We, I know we don't get political on the show, but with Trump and all the new, you know. Anyway, I don't want to go there. But. We're not going to get political tonight no. either. Okay. Yay! Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no politics, no debates. <laughs> so, John, I'd love to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your company because there were pages and pages and pages of everything you guys are doing to help not just here, but globally with food and energy and just all over the world. So- and oceans, oceans, cars. Okay. John, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. For, for those of you not watching on Facebook, he's giving us faces like, if you guys don't stop putting me on the spot right now. <laughs> so John, tell us the name of your company, World Solutions Group, and what is your purpose? World Solution Group is a, it's actually a group of companies that have come together to work at the forefront of international development to help meet uh, nations and clients' needs. We do that by uniquely bringing together technologies. And uh, by doing so, we help uh, combat things such as the food crisis, uh, food security, water, energy, and uh, also climate change. 
So when you say technology, what exactly does that mean? How are we doing all of these things? Well, we're doing this by these technologies. uh, They might be technologies that you're already aware of or could be on a shelf somewhere in a university or an innovator, an inventor might have it. Or maybe Um, I have one. Or maybe you have one, correct. Okay. Um, Rachel, you might have one. Oftentimes these are very (laughs) potentially impactful in areas such as sustainable agricultural growth, uh, deep root irrigation, uh, non-soil growth, um, seed development that allows you to, to do it organically. Um, that also fights off pesticides at that point and at the growth of the plant, uh, water reclamation, any technologies in and around something that creates sustainability around food, water, energy, and security. So you guys are actually thinking about the product before you make it, kind of the end result of it as well. Right. Well, Good question, Quita. That is Thanks, Kinga. <laughs> as a company, what we do is we build sustainable agricultural communities. And these are large-scale communities. They're about 10 square miles as an example, 2,600 hectares. They have a city core. And the city core itself, it's a holistic core that allows the community to grow and build. They're small towns or cities. Um, They have everything from education and health centers or clinics. They have marketplaces, business development. Um, They have training around industrial. They have, uh, if, if you're going to a nation that's culturally sensitive, um, and, for example, if it's a Muslim nation, they can have a mosque in it. Um, th- basically, the, the communities themselves, they're holistic to the point where they'll support development of anything in and around supporting agricultural growth okay. and sustainability around agriculture. So where is the closest community that you, you have this, this community going on? Well, right here? now we're working um, in the continent of Africa. We've been invited by some nations out there. Wh- which ones? Like, we want to hear specifics. Come on, John. Don't be shy. I have to be a little bit careful here just, just because. I know this is a total interruption, but we did not say hi to Craig yet. We i got to say hi to Craig. Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Sorry. Craig, Craig. <laughs> Craig, Hello. <laughs> King of lives for that. I know. I love to say hi to Craig. Okay, go on. Just because we're, um, I have to be a little bit careful here, just because we're in negotiations with certain nations and, uh, you know, people or nations being politically exposed, there's, there's things that could potentially happen or pressures that could happen international, uh, pressures from, from other nations or first world nations. Um, so we deal with governments, um, but not only at the national level. We ideally want to work from the ground up. And as such, uh, we affect local and regional uh, development as well. So we give people an opportunity um, to literally come in. It's a diversification strategy is the best way of thinking of it. Uh, When you go into a nation, for example, we're in the Horn of Africa. One of the nations there invited us in to build a model community. And their pastoral base, which is herd development. And with the drought, especially over the increasing drought problems over the last three years, this past year they lost 80% of their herds. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, wow, that's terrible. And because they have rains, but they can't capture the water, they don't have systems to do that. Um, Isn't that really easy, Quita? You have that at your home. I do, but I think it's different when you're, yeah, you're talking. Yeah, for a whole field. Right. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's a little but different. It's doable. There are definitely things you can do. I just don't know that you would catch enough for a whole community yeah. like that. Right. So what we do is we've come up with solutions to um, work with other individuals or companies um, to build large-scale water capture dams. Nice. That was. Are, be are my you next learning about question. that, Rachel? Let's ask it. Well, I was. I have actually two questions for you now. After listening, the first is um, in these 
in these larger, is it like 10 mile by 10 mile, roughly, like communities, um, are there any um, like landscape-wide water features that you got, or water catchment um, techniques that you guys use to, um, or like, do you ever use the ecology that's naturally like occurring in the area to use that to the advantage of the community? Yes, very much so. I mean, water is life without water. Yeah. Bottom line is you can't grow. But if you grow in a, in a method, rather than worrying about growing horizontally mm-hmm. and losing a lot of the water to either evaporation or just to, uh, to it going down through the soil and being lost to the, to the water table. Um, if you, you guys grow, are built more dense? We build more dense. We, okay. We've uh, trademarked a term called beehiving where we build vertically. So what we do is... Well, dumb that down for us. So what do you mean by dense and vertically for how you're building it? <laughs> well, hi- because like everything you just said, say it again. <laughs> but talk to me like I'm in the fourth grade. <laughs> so so hydroponics that, is yeah. an example. Hydroponics oh, where you have a control about, system. That Go was ahead. my second question. <laughs> so, okay, why don't you ask a couple of questions? Well, I, I saw that you guys are in sustainable agriculture, and I was wondering if you have any urban um, sectors where you guys are um, in urban agriculture rather than like traditional agriculture, which is very land intensive. Well, I'd, I'd love to say yes to that, but um, even though we work in North America and South America, mm-hmm. um, we work in Africa, Asia, and um, we're in India as well. Okay. Um, North America a, has a lot of large corporations mm-hmm. and large companies, and it's a little difficult to to do what we do from the ground up here just because even though the system itself is really based on a system that's about 100 years old here in North America, mm-hmm. where farmers would come together and uh, they would build a, or, or create a co-op and they would help one each, each other build or bring in their field crops. Mm-hmm. And they would even form a small bank and contribute to that so that if somebody had some devastation one year, they would be able to support that farmer. So that whole co-op system was very... Um, it, it really created stability in agriculture in North America. Okay. And uh, it, it's a similar system. We've just developed it beyond that by bringing in innovation and technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, technologies that are really based around permaculture, which is right around uh, Mother Nature's way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So if you can mimic Mother Nature and do it in a way that's very easily accessible or for someone to understand, mm-hmm. then it's acceptable. And the idea behind these is these communities, because they're so large scale, um, they invite the locals or the local communities or individuals to be able to come in and utilize the communities mm-hmm. to grow and benefit for themselves, to either build a business around it or to learn. They're learning and teaching communities. That's yeah. the primary focus of the And then they can grow together. Yeah, and we partner with nations. It's, we don't provide an aid program. Yeah. Um, as much as uh, I love what AIDS, aid does, on the same, there's, there's two sides to the aid coin. Mm-hmm. For example, in Africa, um, since the mid-70s, there's been over $500 billion dollars committed an aid to Africa. Wow. And Five billion? Five hundred. Five hundred billion. Five hundred billion, billion. Have gone in, has gone into aid in Africa. Wow. And That's a lot. That's a ton. It is. And even, uh, for example, Somalia, uh, which everybody knows about, um, it's seen $4.2 billion since the 90s. Well, since where's the, the aid 90s. coming from here? Where's it coming well, from? Well, you know, the U.S. is Well, the phenomenal. question is to ask where it's going because... <laughs> Well, that's a good question, Rachel. <laughs> yes. So, well, of course, there's people receiving it, but could they be receiving a better type of aid is the question we could ask. Um, we could help them help themselves by instead of just giving them food, like 
giving them the tools to make a business and gain independence themselves. It's a more sustainable um, economic solution for those living there. Right. So, Rachel, what Absolutely. would you say are some tools you think that we, you know, not just on a business level, but if we want to bring something like what John is doing to our communities, what would you say, because you're studying this, are some first steps to help us get started? Good question, well, first Queen. There, first, there has to be a local like safety net. Like People need to be willing to buy locally because if someone does um, locally start a very small business and um, like need to take off, they still need people who are going to um, like use the business. They need people who are going to buy into it. And um, if you have people only going after corporate or going to like corporate places like Walmart or something, then it's harder um, for these smaller budding businesses to gain like a base of people who use the business. And I think that's huge. And we have, that's huge here in Phoenix, local businesses. Phoenix Local First is what it's called. And it's a really, really big deal. But I think the problem they have in so many local businesses, it's competing financially yeah. because, you know, you've got Amazon. Yeah. I'm going to say it because, you know, they come, they even deliver on Sundays now. How do you compete with that? Yeah. And Shop how do you, local, think global. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you compete with drones showing up with what you bought a couple hours ago at your at your doorstep. It's pretty crazy, but we have to take, as consumers, um, you're voting with your dollar, essentially. So you have to, like, choose the high road and think, if I buy something from someone locally, I'm supporting all the other people in my community that support that business. And it just creates a healthier local economy and the local web. And if you think of your local as your family, which is a bigger extended family, you care more about local Shop local, think local, you're, you're helping the global, you're helping the world. Yeah. Well, and John, what would your advice be on that subject? Because you're doing your part, obviously, globally. What are some things, though, that you're taking to Africa and some of these other places that we can start right here in Phoenix or other people that are listening nationwide? That's a great question and a difficult one to answer. Um, <laughs> because of large, all the co-ops that used to exist, a lot of them are owned by large conglomerates or corporations now. And uh, they're controlled. So if you want to do large-scale impact, it's very difficult to do that here in North America because all the pieces are so tightly placed together. It's like a puzzle. If you try and pull a piece of a puzzle and put a different type of piece in there, it affects everything around it. And as such, um, we, change is very difficult here in North America. When you go to third-world nations or areas where they have nothing, and you bring in a program that's culturally sensitive and allows that nation or those individuals an option outside of what they currently have, it's a diversification strategy, as I mentioned. If, if you have an option and you haven't had one before, you embrace it, and especially if it's a learning and teaching scenario where it becomes yours. So the nations we deal with, um, the agreement is it's a joint venture, it's a partnership. They have to bring what they can to the table and we bring what we can as far as technologies and teaching and learning. But we don't bring beyond the teaching and learning. We invite them to bring their individuals, their leaders, to the communities to learn from the communities so that they, in turn, can teach others. And it becomes systemic you know, from the nucleus. So the, the ag communities themselves, the, the real design behind the ag communities is it's a legacy project to brace against the 10 to 15 year crisis we're, we're gonna experience. We're not seeing it here in North America. You turn on your, your tap, now you see water. You don't think about it. Right. Um, but if I took your oxygen away, 
You notice what would right you be away. thinking about? Just <laughs> Not having oxygen. Right. Oh, we need so, oxygen. <laughs> I use that analogy because um, if you're in a spot where you have to decide where you're going to get your food that day or your water, how are you going to think about prosperity or something else beyond that? And uh, if, if your son has to or daughter has to make a choice between going to school or going and fetching water because he can't afford to buy it, what choice are you going to make? Obviously, they need the water. Right. So if you're in that situation... But you, if you're given an option to get out of that situation and you take that option and it's culturally sensitive, as I mentioned, so that it's not affecting what you're doing as a society, but you're as a society embracing it and it creates a generational change, then it becomes sustainable over generations. So with a 10 to 15 year crisis with the climate change and, and all the drought that's happening, uh, the Horn of Africa, as an example, is experience, experiencing the now they're 10 years ahead of everybody else and it causes it causes uh idps in, internally displaced persons to move around with so if you if you're feeding off of a reef and your fisheries are devastated because the reef is devastated because the climate change the temperature change has gone up where are you going to eat you're going to migrate when there's migration there's pressure on cities or other areas or if you've got a piece of land in your farmer and somebody comes in and, and takes from that land what are you going to do it creates conflict and we're seeing that in the tens of millions right now in the Middle East and in Africa. So true, yeah. So that's going to get worse and worse over the next 10 to 15 years. As the population grows, as the drought gets worse, you need to be able to create stability within borders. And the only way to create stability within borders is to provide excess. Excess eliminates war. Mm -hmm. So that's the strategy. It's a legacy project. It's really about taking these 10 square mile communities and dotting them across the Horn of Africa, across the Middle East, across areas that need them, India, et cetera, right? So that you can create stability. If there's stability and you have options where you live, you're not going to migrate to go feed yourself. So bottom line, we're spoiled. And if we thought a little bit more about what we need, we'd make some different choices. I think you're talking the definition of self-sustainability, and that's showing people the right way to do it. Not to say people don't need aid and help, but you can give them as much money and as much food as you want. If you're not teaching us how to do it ourselves, then we'll be back here, like you say, in 10 years, 15 right. years. If you're concentrating on plugging the, the hole in the drain from all the water going down, you'll never be able to solve the problem. And unfortunately, that's a, an analogy that I use for aid because you're dealing with a crisis situation. It's not giving it any brace for the future problems. Mm -hmm. You have to brace for the future. So the secret is to create an option that turns on the faucets that overwhelms the problem. I like that. You like I love that, that, right, Kegan? And on that note, we, are we going to go to music? We're going to go to music. And guys, so you know we've been spot. teasing. Yes, king has got to get up. We've been teasing uh. you guys all day. First off, with Rachel and this amazing track body yeah. she has. So when we come back, she's going to tell us a little bit more about how to keep it, how to get it, and <laughs> not by spending all day running. And then <laughs> we're going to talk some more with John. He'll tell us kind of what are some things we need to be doing here at home. But in the meantime, we've got Miss Rebecca in the house. She's going to heal Woo! us with some music. Miss Rebecca, you want to give us a little bit of background on you? I heard you singing, and it was gorgeous. When did you start? Um, as cliche as it sounds, I've literally been singing since I was a wee little babe. <laughs> since um, you could talk, right? Since I could talk. I'm pretty sure I didn't have a first word. I had a first note. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are you playing for us this first song? Um, so this first song is called Withdrawal. Um, it's definitely based on personal life experiences that I've had. Um, 
I like this song. This song touches me very deeply. So hopefully somewhere out there, people listening to it can relate and uh, feel some type of way while they hear it. All right. Show us what you got. All righty. I can't live without the fight Clutching to that jagged edge The little voice inside my head And the panic, it starts to rise Without a catalyst to cling to A twisted measure I could sing to I feel the weight on my shoulders And I can seem to shake it no, looks like it's gonna be you or me taking me over tonight. I've got a bad affliction, this feeling on my addiction. It's the feeling that I'm missing, the needing, and the submission. Can't let go, baby, no, I can't let go. I've got a bad affliction, and I'm not in the position to refuse the right conviction. Dismiss what really isn't. Can't let go, baby, no, I can't let, I can't let go. seem to shake it no looks like it's gonna be you or me taking me over tonight i've got a bad affliction that's feeding on my addiction it's the feeling that i'm missing the needing in the submission can't let go baby no i can't let go i've got a bad affliction and i'm not in a position to refuse the work conviction dismiss what really isn't can't let go baby no i can't let She had a gorgeous voice. Yes, the studio audience loved it. So tell us, how can people find you? Where do you perform? Give us something. Yes, um, I do have my music available on SoundCloud, and you can find me at Rebecca Eileen Franz. However, I do go by Miss Rebecca. Miss um, Rebecca. Yes. I sing all over the valley. It just kind of depends. Um, sometimes you can catch me at Tempe Tavern. Um, you can catch me at Club Red. Um, I'm really involved with the hip-hop scene out here, actually. Um, I'm really attached to those guys. They're amazing, and they've given me a great platform to really get my music out there. Um, and a shout-out to Miss Desiree White. Yes, you Desiree recommended Desiree, you. The voice of the valley. Yes. Such a beautiful person. I love. Well, her. and and you're about more than <laughs> you're about more than just music too, because in reading about you, you're actually pretty self-sustainable yourself. Yes, um, I actually work right across the street at Lush Fresh Handmade Cosmetics. Um, it is an amazing company. We work with over 850 plus grassroots charities. 
Um, we really believe in what we stand for. We're not afraid to get on our soapbox, wink, wink, <laughs> um, and talk about what we really believe in. Right now, we're actually doing a campaign. It's called Get Naked with Lush, and it's all about um, naked packaged products. So that's uh, less packaging and excess packaging going into landfills. Um, we don't use any kind of like microplastics or anything like that. Everything in our products is totally natural ingredients as far as like scrubs and things like that go. So even our glitter, it's a seaweed um, based and mica based glitter. So once it goes down your drain, it's not affecting the environment in any bad way at all. It's safe for you. It's safe for the environment. And it's a wonderful company. I, I love it. I love and, working and, for them. And that takes us back exactly to what John is talking about. And right. it is the idea of before you build or make something. Right. Think about the end. Think mm -hmm. about what's going to happen to it once people needs it no more. Yep. anymore. Let me get my English right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Miss Rebecca, thank you so much. We're excited thank that you're you, going to come Ms. back Peter. and sing thank for us some more. Thank you so much for being here. And thank, thank you so you. much for uh, being sustainable, a sustainable Absolutely. musician. That's what we're all about. <laughs> thank you Healing so much. Healing and love and sustainability. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Rebecca will be back. And for those of you just joining us, you are listening to In the Green Room. Green. King of what's our motto? It's saving the planet one, one show at a time. At a time. And uh, we've been talking with, you guys just listen to Miss Rebecca. <laughs> and Craig has all kinds of sound effects going on. Craig. We've been talking with Miss Rachel Johns, track star Hello. over at the U of A, and Mr. John Becky, who also. Becky, Becky. Am I saying it wrong, John? <laughs> Am I it's, saying it's it good. wrong? <laughs> Tika just likes to give me a hard time. She's your mom, so you know about well, this. I, I think, think so. <laughs> I don't know why. It sounds cool. Beck you. I think she just wanted to say it a couple times. Oh, is that what? Okay. All right. Got it. Just so everyone gets his name. <laughs> it's Kinga. World solutions. John Beck you. All right. And we've got more questions for you, John, too. But I wanted to talk to you, Rachel, because <laughs> your mom brags about you. Daily the on the show, everybody knows she brags <laughs> oh and brags it's and brags, so but she's so impressed with how self-sustainable you are. So I ran track in college too, so we've got Yay, something in common. Buddies. So I know the body kind of stays it was the first a little thing bit. We said when we met each other. Yes, it the totally very was. first day. <laughs> yes, That's what was your friends? I was a sprinter. Oh, same. Yeah, so we may have to. I'm, I'm just. I was going to tell her we should get out on the track, but. I'm not doing that. Face oh, no. off after. Honey, you've got some legs, Queen. You've got years? some nice yeah, legs. No, I'm not going to even say my age. But a lot of people will look at you because you've got this great track body and it comes with the territory. But yours is not just from running. So tell people who are just starting, who are not familiar with eating right and exercising, what are some main things people can do to look the way they want to look? I mean, it's summertime. we got to get in the bikinis. We have to. <laughs> it's a requirement. <laughs> well, bikinis or not, you still want to be healthy. That's the main yes. thing I'm focused on. Uh -huh. um, I found, for me, I feel the best when I eat, when I put the right things into my body. Don't get me wrong. I she is eating a, a lollipop right now. I'm eating a lollipop right now. I'm guilty. I have a voracious sweet tooth. <laughs> my, my main offense is chocolate, but I try not to think, well, I should not say offense, um, <laughs> because though, I try healthy. to think of it, po I th try to think of desserts positively. I think uh, if everything is in balance, then you're fine. But that being said, you still have to eat your veggies, whether you like it or not. It's part of the balance. And I know um, it's w far more sustainable to eat um, vegetarian or vegan. But as an athlete, I I need my protein. I I eat a lot of animal protein. If I 
with college too, I, I'm always studying. I'm always zipping from place to place. So it's hard to um, try to like eat vegan or vegetarian. I feel like it, it would take honestly too much time out of my day to cook up vegetarian meals that I still find appealing and delicious. So <laughs> <laughs> now, but would you say it is feasible? It is. I think it will be feasible. I've, I've kind of made a goal for myself as once I'm done running track to eventually like switch to vegetarian, maybe vegan one day. I'm not sure. What about pescatarian where you could just have fish here and there and then do your veggies? That's what I've been trying that to is, do. I'm that, that, is, that. that is more sustainable than, because the worst is beef and... Um, red meat. And, yeah, red meat is the worst and then like lamb and it, basically anything with hooves. Or chicken too. So just, just fish, pescatarian. But fish. Fi- fish. Did she just name meat? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. But fish, fish still have the economic or the uh, environmental impact. Yes. Um, fish does farming. It? Yeah. Fish does? Well, if you catch all the if, wild, if fish, wild fish, but if you catch them all, then there'll be uh, no fish left over. Right. If you think about it, back in the day when people were eating meat and fish, and it was acceptable. It wasn't a luxury. Like like now, we eat it all the time. So there's just not enough. So whether it be fish, whether it be chicken, whether it be anything, if you overdo anything, it's not going to be a good thing. That's why I, I agree true. with you saying everything in moderation. Everything in, so in moderation, true. focus on balance. Um, so eventually, one day, I'll switch to be a vegetarian. Until then, maybe I'll try to be a pescatarian. Well, I have a girlfriend that does vegan morning and afternoon. And dinner, she does the fish. So she's vegan all day, and then she just does a little fish in the evening. It's kind of smart. That is smart. And her, her, her house doesn't, she, you know. <laughs> it's semi It's moderation. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's moderation, it's, yes, and it's, I think it depends, too, on your reasoning for being vegetarian, vegan, or, or whatever it is. Because, okay, so I, I have a funny story. Okay. So you guys <laughs> know, so I have a website, greendesert.org, and we're all about self-sufficiency. So we have chickens and gardens, and we raise tilapia. But D- my Green hus- Desert Org. Green yes, greendesert.org. Org. And my husband, though, he's become very attached. So the chickens we do, we're ridiculous. We cuddle them. And oh, it's, they are pets. pets. How cute. <laughs> okay, but you wouldn't think that way about fish. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, I can tell you it's been more than a year since we've eaten any of our tilapia. They become oh. pets, too. Because my husband, but you know what? He makes a good point. Like he's gotten to, he's attached to them. When you go out there and you put your hands and they come to you, it's hard to kill them. It's hard to kill them. If more people had, if we had to kill our own food, how many vegetarians do you think? John, John, that's to the point where you say what, you know, when you're talking about when you're in the situation, you'll act a whole lot differently. Greg, this is a very, I'm going to make a very long story short. Okay. (laughs) When I was 15 years old, I was living in South Carolina with my family. You were talking about the whole pet thing. Yes. My uncle brought home a pig that we were going to slaughter on the 4th of July. Uh Uh-oh. We weren't going to send it to a slaughterhouse. No. We were going to do it. Mm -hmm. The day came. We went through the whole motion. I would not eat that pig. Because I was the one that had to take care of it. Mm -hmm. I had to feed it. I had to clean the pen. Mm-hmm. My uncle won out, though, because he was a big, ham-fisted, good old <laughs> redneck boy from Virginia who said, you better eat them. You better eat that pork, boy. <laughs> or you're not going to eat it all. And I couldn't say no, but I had a hard time <laughs> yes. eating that pig because of the fact that I had to take care of it. 
Well, and just like John Maybe said, if we were living in these small <laughs> agricultural communities and taking care of our own exactly. um, fish, or not, maybe, maybe any, fish too, any, fish, any. meat, or poultry, we would not be eating them. But it's what? so funny, like, when it's a pig or a cow or a goat, it's this cute little animal. It's almost like a dog. That is kind of sad if you some see people, it But a fish, Some people have service ducks, so... Well, yeah, because who be are anything. we to say that one life is more important than the next? I mean, exactly. really. You know? Well, so. I, know, I know we've had uh, Allie Getz, the musician on our, our show, that says she won't kill a cockroach. Mm-hmm. She'll take it and cup it up and take it outside. I don't think it's sad if I see a cockroach. I've had one on my foot. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I can talk all I want, but I'm with you on the cockroach. We that all draw the line one. somewhere. Because yes. <laughs> cockroaches. Okay, so when I was little, and then this is the last Quita story. Sorry, but when I was younger, I lived in Florida. I'm from Miami. So you guys know Miami has some pretty big cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> and we used to, to do this. talent shows all the time. That was my family. We always did talent shows. So it was my turn to perform. I walk out, I'm ready to sing and perform, and my mom, she hypes everybody up. Oh, you're so beautiful, and blah, 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 right? Every so mother does as that, I right? start, Yes, we know, right, Oh, my Rachel? God. <laughs> Chat, right? Chat. So anyways, I walk out of the room, I'm ready, and something went down my back. <laughs> it was a cockroach. Oh, my gosh. So imagine, I'm oh dancing, trying to get it out, because I can't hit, because I can't smush that thing on me. Yes. I'm not, that is... So that traumatized me. I can't do cockroaches. That is so traumatizing. I can't. I would I just say. Can't. I told my husband, if we find one, we're moving. <laughs> Done. They're going down. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Sorry, we're guys. I can't do it. Sorry, you're in the well, desert. No, and one other little creature that I, I, I really am scared of, I don't really want to save it when I see it, is a scorpion. They're here in Arizona. Do you guys try to save a scorpion if you see one or you try to kill it? They are part of the ecosystem. This is the question for John because his wife has been stung a couple times (laughs) in the last year. I've killed hundreds, unfortunately. (laughs) 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 All right, John. So let's get back because a lot of this is still about you, what we're talking about. And this is perfect transition because a lot of us, like you're talking Africa and these things are going on. A lot of us don't pay attention because we're not in the heart of it. We're, we don't see the effects like some other countries may. So why would you say people here, for example, in Arizona, why should we make this problem ours, food and water, if we're not seeing it now? How can you convince people? Great question. Well, we're all part of a, a global ecosystem. But beyond that, we're kind of in the same boat. The crisis that's 10 to 15 years out for us will affect what we're doing cross-border. Because, um, as an example, um, when I was flying in from Dubai to, uh, to Somalia, there was about 20 uh, young male adults. They were causing quite a ruckus on the flight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we arrived at the airport, they got shuffled off to the side in a lineup, and I, um, I asked what was going on. And all 20 of them had just been deported from Dubai. Because what they had done is they had uh, um, crossed over the Red Sea in makeshift boats or whatever they can, and many of them die, I heard, doing this because they're looking for opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because with the drought and the devastation of the whole Horn of Africa, they have nothing they can do to support themselves. So they're hungry? So they leave. They were hungry? So they leave for opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the more displaced people, the more people end up moving across borders, as we mentioned, the more problems we're going to have with conflict and war. And if we don't do something, if we don't do something to, to brace against that, we're all going to be affected. 
Yeah, there there will be a global instability, and we don't want that. <laughs> so, so then, so what, what do we do? Exactly. What do we do? What's the answer? How do people you, get involved? Solutions, not problems. Have, solutions. You have to create a solution that, again, creates stability within borders. But beyond stability, you have to create something sustainable, something that's generational, as I mentioned, so that if it gets embraced by the next generation as an option, as a way to do business, as a way to profit, as a way to educate yourself, as an option to live well, if you can do that and create that opportunity within a nation, people aren't going to leave. Expats are going to come back. Mm -hmm. So that's the solution. The solution is large-scale stability through dotting, in this case, as, as one solution, dotting sustainable agricultural communities across the Horn and through the Middle East, Eurasia, etc. By doing that, you're going to eliminate conflict. Excess eliminates war, like we said. And more important than that is it creates an opportunity for people to educate, self-educate. It creates an opportunity for prosperity. And we all know that if you have the opportunity to give a person a hand up and you are the type of person who would do that, you need to get involved. Mm-hmm. And because we're dealing with nations and governments, large scale, it's, it's difficult to, you might say, well, what can I do? Right. But there are, there are different levels of involvement from a volunteer level all the way up to if you have something that you really have to bring. We've got some key individuals. We've got close to 400 people across universities, leaders in communities, et cetera, that have gotten involved with us giving their minds and their energy to a solution, a resiliency plan that will help. So it's a collaboration, everybody yes. coming together. Yeah, this is bigger than any one person. It's bigger than me, any, anyone in our business already, any of the executives, any of the innovators or any of the technology owners. We have to come together. We have so, to be able to contribute. So Quita, uh, uh, I don't think you know this yet, or maybe you've read about it. He started working when he was 11 years old. And he started thinking of all these ideas of how he could help others and become something more than himself when mm-hmm. he was 11. Can you talk about that a little bit and lead <laughs> how you came to where you are now? Hey, I'm all about working them at 11, so I need some tips from you because I, I need my boys out there. <laughs> I hope your boys are listening because right. this guy, this guy uh, d- w- was doing a few businesses before you were 18, right? You, yes. You owned your own businesses. So yeah, I was very fortunate that. I... I came from a family. My mother basically said, go out and get some work if you want to, <laughs> when I was 11. So I, uh, I did. I went job hunting in the local uh, community mall or whatever it was, and um, I ended up starting a business instead of starting a job. Love so it. that was my first business when I was 11. And it I was had... brilliant. Tell us what you did. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, she's well, going to keep putting you on the spot. So <laughs> It was a pharmaceutical delivery company. <laughs> okay, got it. It's not, some, not something you can do nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I didn't know the way you reacted. I didn't know of what type of pharmaceuticals oh. that was. We're all on the up and up. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a local pharmacy that um, I went into and asked for, for a job. And they, they offered me $2 an hour. And that was really good money back then. <laughs> And uh, I said, well, is there something else I can do that not clean shelves and do stuff around the store? And they said, well, you can do some deliveries for us. And I, and I said, well, how about you don't pay me if it's okay that I can charge or get tips for the deliveries? And they said, sure. And there were a lot of uh, older elderly people, et cetera, who didn't come for their pharmaceuticals. So I ended up starting this delivery company, and then I hired a few people. And, and, yeah, and voila, there you were. So now you bring up a whole other issue. 
What advice do you have for some of these kids these days who are entitled and they don't think they should work? They think we should give them everything and they think they're too young. So what is your advice? You did it. And I have young children as well. So that's a, what do you tell that's them? a great question. Um, <laughs> Good question, Cleta. <laughs> I'm getting I was, redundant. <laughs> I was raised by a single mom. And as such, she, she just taught one thing for us. Respect yourself. If you can respect yourself, then you'll respect others. And you'll be open to others' opinions. And uh, that's how we were raised. Um, and we were basically taught to, to just never quit. Go out and get what you want. If someone says you can't do it, go figure it out. Don't let anybody put limitations on you. So that's what I want to pass on to any generation. My kids don't know a world without the Internet. Right. This is the last generation. Mm-hmm. that The millennials are the last generation pretty much who, who will experience that. So the level of entitlement that we have here, it, it's never going to change. So, but we're also coming into a time in the world where social media networking is really very different. Societies are coming together. Individuals are not so much focused on themselves. They're focused on solutions in groups. And as such, they can really make huge impacts. Well, that's what our show's about. We're actually trying to help others. We're trying to make a difference. Right. That's what In, in the Green Room's about. Mm-hmm. Right, Quita? Which is why you're a perfect guest. You are so perfect. Oh, he's a regular. <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to hear a little bit more from him. But I've got people on Facebook begging for a little more Miss Rebecca. So, Miss Rebecca, Rebecca, we I think you, you have here. to listen to their call. Let's hear one more from we you. We love your music. Come on over. And, Take and, my spot. And what's this next song you're going to sing for us, Rebecca? Um, so this next song is called Waiting. Um, you'll notice a lot of my songs are um, about love, about love and life. I love love. We love love. It's <laughs> healing. That's what we want. We want yes. positive, happy songs all about love. Thank you. That's the best. <laughs> all righty. So this next one is called Waiting, and I hope you guys enjoy. <clears throat> Every now and then 
entirely fed up with you and all you have to say. So I sing. La 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 Time stands so still sometimes in time stands so still sometimes time stands so still sometimes time stands so still sometimes is so beautiful. It's so soothing. We could sit and listen to you all night. You are getting lots of love on Facebook, by the way. Uh, Tiffany says, killing it, Becky. Oh, my gosh. Um, we've got hey, Roseanne Tiffany. saying, loving her style. Elizabeth sounds great. Loving this song. <laughs> people are loving you. So thank we you. definitely awesome. want you back. I would love to be back. Thank all you right. for having me. Tell people again how to find you on Facebook. Yes, on Facebook, you can find me at Miss Rebecca on my fan page. I have a SoundCloud under Rebecca Eileen Franz. You can even find me on YouTube. I have videos up there as well under Miss Rebecca. So check me out. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. it. Voice thank of an angel. Guys. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And speaking of angels, guys, we, of course, have to talk about our premier sponsor, Goodwill Industries, because we wouldn't be doing a whole lot of what we're doing without them. And I want to tell you, we are always telling you guys about all that Goodwill is doing. And I don't think Kinga or I can give them any justice, but they can give you justice because they've got a tour coming up that we are ambassadors for. Is it a party, I thought? It's a party. It's nighttime. It is June 29th, guys. It's from 6 to 8 p.m. They will free, have free, free drinks, drinks, free, free wine, hors d'oeuvres. Free food. It's at a huge, gorgeous house in, in Paradise PD, Valley. Overlooking the mountains. And we want you guys all to be our guests. We'd love for all of you to be our guests, but we are down to about 20 spots left. So <laughs> First come, first serve. <laughs> hey, so get on our Facebook page. Tell us why you want to go. We'll have free drinks, food in Paradise Valley, and then we'll narrow the list down. And so, I'm telling you, it's good wine and good food and a beautiful view. This house and is Kinga will be there. Yeah, so, hey, party Kuda. time! It's Kuda. a guaranteed fun party. <laughs> Rachel knows. All right, so now Rachel, you were saying you had a few more things that you thought were the most important things that people needed to know. Go. What's your message? Well, I would say leaving here today, um, I was trying to think of what would be the best thing for you all to hear. 
And in my opinion, I would say the best overall message towards sustainability that I have is because sometimes I've been studying all the problems that are associated with climate change and just overall negativity. Actually, there's a lot of negativity. There is yeah. a lot of negativity. And our show's not about that. We try to get and it can solutions. be it can render you feeling quite hopeless, but terrible. That's <laughs> I agree. But humans made this problem, and I think we are capable of so much more greatness. And I think we can easily, not maybe not easily, but we can solve the problem if we all come together. together and all put our minds and hearts towards um, collective, what's better for everyone and the, our entire earth and sustainability. And I would say that um, innovation is so important and conservation, we, are too, we too often fall victim to consumerism and we need to learn how to conserve and just make do with what we need and not what we want always can be difficult. Yes, it can be. <laughs> and the fact that everyone can make a difference no matter how small or how involved you are. And that's the perfect point. She says, no matter how small. So, so many of us use the excuse of we may not all be able to do what John is doing, which is phenomenal because you're doing so much, but every little bit counts. And that's why every collectively it makes things a whole lot easier because we all have to live here. So whether you start off with recycling or composting or collecting rainwater or a garden or just eating a certain way. Or not eating red meat. Right. Not there's something we can all do. And I think that a lot of us, we, we make it harder than it has to be. Would you agree, John? No, I yeah. do. I agree. Well, we collectively made the problem, so we collectively have, have to, to fix, it. fix it. And Rachel, give no us a, how small. a few examples of, of like specific examples some tips we could do. Three <laughs> tips that you Rachel's you giggling, yourself. guys, because oh god, because I <laughs> her when she does the chat all the time. Uh, everyone, everyone take everyone wants to work at a different scale. For some, it might be rainwater collection or a garden in their backyard or something. But for others, it's like more large scale. And I'm hoping to go into a larger scale field where I can make reach even more people and make a bigger difference. Kind of like what John is doing here. Ironically, what you're doing is what she wants to do, and that's what her major is about. Well, we so, have uh, wanna... lots of room for more people to contribute. <laughs> I'm in. So well, you John, can hire Rachel. However I can help. <laughs> Rachel just got her first job. Yay! Oh, no. <laughs> I have another year of studying left still. <laughs> in one year, you've got... Right there in a plane. Fantastic. And John, it's I'll a question join the ranks of that I've been wanting to ask because you're doing all of this. And sure, there's money involved, but there's not enough money in the world to sometimes deal with a lot of us who are selfish and negative and we want what we want and we're in our matrix. So why do you do this? Good question, Quita. Kinga, no more good question, Quitas. <laughs> but thanks, Kinga. That's a good question. So... Do you mean as a company? <laughs> as a company, um, it's beyond, like I mentioned earlier, it's beyond any one individual. If we don't do something for the future, we're all in the same boat. We're all going to experience the problems. And uh, the reason I do this, it's, for me, it's a peace initiative is really what it is. It's a legacy project. project. And um, it's just the right thing to do. And if enough good people don't do the right thing, where are we going to end up being? So you've just got to get involved. And, and if you can get involved at a smaller level or a high level, if you've got political connections with nations or you've got um, some, some basic innovations or ideas, we need to bring those to bear. They need to be exposed to the world to do some good. Yeah. And this is an outlet to do that. And the more of these ideas 
that are positive solutions that are swirling around, the more other people are thinking about it, and it spreads like wildfire and can catch Well, positive on. spreads positive, and exactly. negative spreads negative. We want a positive snowball effect. Yes, <laughs> completely. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, John, uh, we didn't t touch on, on all the, your other endeavors and all the – I mean, he's doing so much. But I know you have a car that's called a Scorpion. Oh, you're excited about that. I, I'm so excited about that. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because Quita doesn't know about it. That's I don't. A, we have one minute to quickly touch on that's that. That's a whole other show. but um, It's a total other yeah, show. A, but it's a teaser for our next show. And it looks right. cooler, way, way cooler than a Tesla or a Ferrari. Or a Lamborghini. <laughs> All right, give it to us. You got 30 seconds, John, and go. Well, no. a local designer <laughs> um, came up with a vehicle called a Scorpion, and we're supporting him, uh -huh. uh, trying to bring the vehicle to a position where it can actually be converted from what it is now, which is a, a hydrogen-based electric supercar, or sorry, not electric, hydrogen-based ice engine supercar, internal combustion engine, um, and wow. convert that to electric and, and bring it to the marketplace. Um, it, it's a niche that, it's kind of a niche market, as I said, but anytime technology comes to bear, it kind of flows down from the top down through until um, we all kind of embrace it in our lives. And we see that from Formula One racing where it's, you know, oh, he's a former race. He, he races. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna have. By the way, have to have you come back. I, I forgot to got so He's races Ferraris and Porsches and all that. All right, guys. All that. <laughs> it's been a phenomenal show. We have to thank all of our guests and, of course, Goodwill Industries. And we've got Miss Rebecca. I love She's the Goodwill. Goodwill. <laughs> Everybody shop Goodwill. Donate to the Goodwill. Oh my goodness. You guys aren't seeing the faces. Uh, Miss Rebecca's going to sing us on out to break. She's got an acapella song here. Rebecca, what are you singing? I feel like a little bit of John Lennon is kind of in order right now. Ooh, so let's imagine. Do is that okay? Oh, we, ooh, imagine. I'd love that song. Go for it. All right. Thanks again, guys. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. And above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us and the world.